Russ Gordon, I'm the National Coordinator for UK ISR and EMT. Russ, so we've arrived in country today, day one. What are some of the things the team have been going through as they've arrived and taken a first look at the training centre here in Kosovo? So obviously for a number of members of the team, it's their first international experience. Several members of the team have deployed before, both operationally and in a training role. So prior to arriving here in country, I asked the delegates, the candidates on the course, to do a risk and threat analysis of arriving in Kosovo pre-disaster. When I say pre-disaster, is it's just basically a travel trip to Kosovo and some of the risks that might be involved coming to the Mm. Looking at what that looks like in a normal deployment, obviously we've got members of FCDO here with us as well. When we're trying to take a good analysis of the risks that we're going to be looking at in country, they've gone through this evening trying to identify and present some of those. What are some of the key takeaways that you think have been presented and what's been done well? Like I said, this is a good first attempt. You know, majority of the, the people, the candidates here, would never have done that risk of threat analysis. It's normally left to people in the same position as myself, certainly the capability team, certainly the command support team, to do that analysis prior to any deployment. So it's a real good start, you know. Obviously, some of the key messages are there. It's around foreseeable risk, some of the hazards that might be faced. But it's obviously they've done their background research. They've used a number of open sources. There was a lot of detail in some of those. But what's really important from that detail is they can identify some of the risks to themselves as individuals and the wider team from doing that analysis. So, for instance, you know, mountains, they said it's really, you know, Kosovo is quite mountainous. That would say to me with the background of being in the team, OK, it's going to be really cold in the winter, really hot in the summer. Depending on the time of year, if we have a situation where we're working in the mountains, it's how to pack the right kit get yourself prepped for any deployments in that area. And certainly they talked about some of the situations of the historical events, the awful historical events that happened in Kosovo in the late 90s. That's really key because that might have a wider impact on the team. Again, if we're dealing with landslides, floodings, obviously some of the ordnance, mines migrate during that. So it's really key that we support those individuals with that wider thinking. One of the other areas, Pete, that they talked about was the communication strategy. So obviously, you know, it was a real good start start for that and we've just filled in the gaps around that pace type system where we're looking at that primary comm strategy, the alternates, the contingencies and emergencies. Mm. So that's really, really key as well. So good A lot start. of these operators are experienced firefighters, EMT and other organisations, but how difficult is it to transition them away from that thinking where they are supported by a much wider organisational structure in their home country versus one of the unique aspects of UKISR it is that it is a self-supporting independent resource that can be deployed in country. Is it tough to pull them away from that conditioning where they have always had additional support around them, whereas now they really need to become self-sustaining, don't they? You know, it's a great topic for conversation. My own thoughts are they've had a great grounding. You know, a lot of these people have got huge skills and backgrounds within all sorts of services, not only within the fire service, some are ex-forces, some have come from, you know, from a real academia background. Mm. But it all makes that wider team. And certainly we work in some of these disaster situations during deployment. They all bring skills to the table. And what's really, really important is it's a great learning environment. So, you know, I think certainly their background in the FRS where they have got that support and that wider structure really gives them a good grounding. And certainly they bring those skills into the environment where it's a little bit tougher. But all of them are 
a crisis managers in their own way every day in their normal daily jobs within the, the FRSs or, you know, we've got a vet with us who deals with crises with animals every day. Mm. They bring those skills. And I think once you've dealt with crises in your day job, it's quite an easy overlap. Mm. It's applying as that the, thought process to yeah, a new as, scenario. Absolutely. As long mm. as we've got the structure in place to support those individuals. And that's where, you know, the wider management team come in and certainly some of the individuals that have deployed in the past. The real risk to us is when we lose that expertise and experience is how we develop this team for the future. I know development's something you're really keen on. I wanted to just double tap on how crucial it is. We're very lucky to have Charlotte from FCDO with us this time. How important is sustaining and developing that relationship with them? I know you've always been very efficient in the way that we work, but having her here and being able to see the skill sets actually in practice, how do you see that being such a crucial role moving forwards for UKISA? All partnerships are really crucial. Pete. Certainly our relationship with, with the Foreign Commonwealth Development Office, FCDO, with Charlotte's team at HSOT and Palladium is an absolutely great partnership before we start. You know, we work closely together, several meetings weekly, but it's really great to have Charlotte here because, you know, Charlotte's been enrolled for, I believe, four years. Mm. She's been working with the HSOT team directly with UK ISAR for the last four months. She's got a great awareness of I saw. But this is a great opportunity for her to see, you know, the passion within the team, the expertise, the professionalism. You know, UK ISAR is a massive brand name out there, you know, mm. in the disaster world. So that's really great. The fact that we can build that relationship and we've got the opportunity to do that, it's not only just a benefit for UK ISAR, but for all parties, you know, Charlotte's going to see us from within. And that's absolutely key. And, you know, we're planning to do a lot of work with FCDO. We're going to run a tabletop exercise for them in March. You know, and that's the trust they have in UK ISAR is the fact is that we're actually running their tabletop exercise, which yeah. is a big event for them. And, you know, we'll utilise our capability team, some of the teams from the functional responsibilities, Hampshire, West Mids, uh, London with the logistics, to support that tabletop. So really, really exciting times ahead, you know. We've chosen to come to Kosovo. We've obviously spoken with John, and we're going to have a bit more of a talk with him as the week progresses. This is a really unique and really well put together facility. What are you so excited about utilising some of the resources that John and the team and the organisations involved here have put over this week? Because you've got you've got some quite interesting things. We're not going to give them away just yet, but some really interesting things you've got to challenge the teams and uh, their their thinking and how they're going to overcome them. Yeah, I mean, I mean, you've seen the facility yourself. It's amazing. Mm. You know, the, this facility here is something that, that the UK ISO would aspire to have. When you see the facilities in the daylight tomorrow, it it is a disaster zone on its own. <laughs> You know, I've been fortunate to go to, to many of the training venues, uh, you know, internationally, and this is right up there, if not the best that I've ever seen. And that's a massive, massive thing for UK ISAR because we've, we've got links into a facility now that can really test the team. Yeah. We've got a huge turnover of the team. We've got lots of new team members that we want to develop and give them the best start, the best ability that they can have to, you know, certainly outside of any deployment in that training and development yeah. situation. You really are on the crest of a wave with the new energy and the recruitment and not only the youth, but the, the sort of enthusiastic exuberance that you have of so many members of the team now. How crucial is that succession plan? And I know it's something you've verbalised a lot in the time that we've spent here so far in and around developing people into leadership roles and creating a cyclic way of coming to train, coming to be part of the directing staff and then leading these exercises as well. Has that been a strategic approach from you and the team with the now abundance of uh, you know, new team members that we've got? Yeah, I think we needed to look at it in, through different lenses. Certainly what we see is a lot of the, you know, the 30-year serving firefighters that have been a 
part of ISAR since you know they've been in the fire service is massively changing. Mm. That 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 landscape is changing. We Which is lot- scary for some people. We feel we are hemorrhaging a lot of experience. So now that mentorship, we've got a very small window to capture that. Do you feel? Yeah, I think we've we've got opportunities moving Mm. forward and I think that's probably the best term because, you know, while we're losing that experience, once you're a member of the UK ISAR family, you're always a member of the UK ISAR family. And I know that if we approach any of those members, they would gladly come back. Some people extend their fire service careers to stay a part of (laughs) ISAR, which is massive. Which is a huge testament. You don't see that in any other sector. And even within the Fire and Rescue Service, it's quite rare. And I think it's a real reflection of the culture that's been created within UK ISAR. Yeah, it means something to people mm. you know and uh, you know and there's a real passion to deliver to the best of your ability and you know not only in the fire service but fundamental to UK ISAR there's a legacy you know there's 30 years of of UK ISAR the history of you know Uxfasart and then Ukisarg before we became UK ISAR and it all started back in 1992 to be a part of this team means so much to so many people and certainly long may it continue and you know one of my ethos is certainly with this, you know, I'm absolutely making it one of my priorities is to develop that talent management coming through. Mm. You've seen it yourself around the table tonight. Brand new people to the team have just completed their recruitment and selection and standing up there. Like they are stepping up. Like they've There's led the really, team. There's some really, you oh. know, guys and girls in this room this evening were impressive in their assertiveness and confidence in assimilating the knowledge that was presented to them and coming up with a plan in a very small window of time. And I have faith that they're going to execute that yeah. with great competence. It made me week. shiver when I spoke to some of those, those individuals. I heard them talking tonight because mm. you... You're just identifying your next round of national coordinators. Really, really exciting. Because yeah. your mind immediately goes three oh, years down the line in that excitement. You, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you see you it. Know, and, but the, 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 the great pleasure for me is there was five or six individuals out of 12 that really, really stood up you know, to be counted today. And let's see how the, the rest of the, the week goes. But certainly for me that, you know, these individuals are the future of UK ISR. But not just UK ISR, the future of the Fire and Rescue Services mm. on a whole. These people have got so much to offer. And the fact is, you know, all this is voluntary. You know, they're, they're It's so strange up. that it's voluntary, but I really want members of the Fire and Rescue Service and certainly people at high levels of leadership to really appreciate the incredible skill set that people develop in UKSR and take back to their service. You articulated it perfectly there. The things they're learning and the way they're being encouraged to develop, working with people outside of their organisations and even outside of the Fire and Rescue Service from humanity and inclusion, they get such a wider perspective and they bring all of that experience and knowledge back to their home service. And I don't think that's fully understood the true value that people are getting from being part of this. No, and, and you know, if you look at that wider collaboration where you're working with international partners, for me, you know, that a grassroots firefighter that has come through, obviously, the FRS into the role I am today. If I'd have looked at myself, you know, personally, 27 years ago, it wouldn't be the person <laughs> I'm seeing now. You know, I've been internationally yeah. all over the world. You know, I've been involved in some of the biggest disasters, Haiti, Japan. You know, I've been invited into the Minister of Defence's office in Kosovo. Mm. I've met the, a, a general that runs the whole of the military here, right the way through to the British ambassador, all in one day. And, I, you know, at times you have to pinch yourself and thinking, you know, the opportunities that I've had through the FRS, through UK ISAR, but I've taken back into service. I can speak for the wider UK ISAR team that, 
Everything we do, we do with passion, we do it with the utmost professionalism, we try to make a difference wherever we go, but we bring that back to our home services. So those involved with project management, this is a big project, you know. There's a huge future with it. We've got a strategic plan that we want to achieve. We want to bring and nurture that talent all the way through. So, you know, for the next 30 years, UK ISR is still at the top of its game. We are world leaders. It makes me immensely proud to say that. And I think certainly at the next reclassification, we'll show why. And that's not through the experienced team members. Mm. That's through the talent that are coming through. We're investing that training. We're investing that development, you know, supported by FCDO. What's really important, supported by the host fire and rescue services. Mm. There's a huge amount of passion within the FRS strategic leads to say, you know what, that's my team. They're representing my service on the international arena, and that's huge. And we should feel proud of that. I know as as the UK, we tend to have been a little bit more humble, but now is the time to truly demonstrate and acknowledge the value that this is bringing internationally. Yeah, it's exciting, Mm. you know. It's not just the value. I think that certainly it's something the UK can be really proud of, the people of the UK can be proud of, our FRSs can be proud of. But more importantly, each and one of those individuals should be really proud of themselves because I'm proud of them. Absolutely. I'm excited to see what the week looks like. You'll enjoy it, Pete. Hey everybody, so that was my chat with Russ Godin at the start of a week-long training deployment to Kosovo, testing the capabilities and demonstrating the skill sets of UK international search and rescue. Over the next week or so, you are going to hear a little bit more from different members of the team, from the different functional roles to the different partnership agencies that we are working with. So I hope you enjoyed learning a little bit more about it and stand by for some future updates from UK International Search and Rescue's recent deployment to Kosovo in February 2022. We'll see you soon.